0: Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Heavy Metal Tones with me, your podcast host Tony Evans, and you might hear in the background and occasionally get interrupted by my little hairy companion, Phoebs the cat, is in and around, uh, she decided to jump into my recording studio and it's uh, quite a maze of, uh, of uh, recording bits and pieces, speakers and records and guitars and so on, so she's she's enjoying the, um, the jumping around behind me. Um, and of course, my computer wants to tell me to do things, which I would, we should do. So, anyway, firstly, um, happy birthday to us for all us that have listened to this show for a year, that have um, persevered with this silly old man on this side of the speaker, on the side of the microphone. Um, it is one year old today. Uh, well, actually, when it releases, it's the next day because um, we want it was be a Thursday actually, but it released here on a Wednesday. Anyway, still a year is a year, is it not? Um, we've had some milestones. So we've had some big ups, ups some, have some interesting stories. We've had uh, a fantastic feedback from the uh, guest episodes with Benji for the two Sabaton History crossover podcasts, which we're going to do again soon. People really like that. I've got some interviews uh, lined up coming up. Um, this week's episode is purely indulgent. It might have to go over two episodes as, as we speak here. I don't know. But it's purely indulgent on my part. Please indulge me, as it's my birthday. Oh, sorry. just getting my nice hot tea. It's really cold here in Canberra at the moment. I've said it before. It's almost spring. It's lovely. But this house I've got, um, certain rooms are just cold. Um, not haunted. I wish they were. No, it's not. It's just, uh, just a bit cold. Anyway, this week's episode is Marillion. I've been... Dancing around it um, uh, for some time, um, and please don't go uh, rushing to turn it off because you don't low you think they're just a load of hippie progsters. That's not true. Some of the heaviest prog you'll ever hear, some of the heaviest music you'll hear actually, that's not heavy metal, is actually things like Merulium. And uh, firstly, I'm going to start with a little bit of a history of the band and how I came across them. Oh, that's better. God, it's so cold. Um, So, I came across them. Um, My good friend, Justin. um, We were on a school trip. I don't know, maybe, what was it, a school trip? We were out about outside school in school hours anyway, but allowed to be so. I think, in fact, it was our walk to Pickett's Lock, which is uh, North London, where we were going to go and um, play snooker we had a sports day where we could go out and do sports and we decided to do snooker because it was still a sport we didn't have to change for it um, and we, we'd walk down there with. instead of taking the school um, the, sorry I'm getting distracted by Phoebes, instead of taking the school bus we would walk and we would buy ourselves chips and um, Savaloys one moment excuse me one second Thebes. please I'm trying to record alright come on one second one second guys She's got herself trapped on the windowsill. That's what you come for, the realism. I have to stop there. She got trapped on the windowsill, and uh, even though cats can jump, there's a lot of crap everywhere, and I don't think she felt uh, very uh, comfortable doing so. I've just finished my two fabulous big speakers to go in the in the in the music room. Um, they're Marantz, uh, and I'm really fucking love them. I've just finished up great. I've furbished them. All the the cabinets were fine, all the speakers were buggered. I just got new speakers in them. Um, and uh, it took a little bit of time to find the ones I wanted, but it's come up really nice. Anyway, so I was on this school trip with this sort of field day outside school with um, with Justin. And we were in, I think it was Smith's, which is a chemist, which is like a... I don't know if it's still there in the UK now. It was a newsagent, but they also sold records. And at that time... Misplaced Childhood had just been released, and it was on the racks. And Justin, I'd been Justin. He was like, he was like the barometer of new stuff. He was really new his stuff, and he he said, "Look, listen to these guys. They're really good." Um. um next thing I know, I'm um, by He's lending me a copy on a cassette, and uh, that was it. I never looked back. Um. Anyway then I became extremely obsessed by the band and their output and um, then so I just kept listening and kept listening and finding more and more stuff more and more bootlegs more and more recordings you know, books, magazines you know, I I, I even sort of drew um, them on the back of my jacket the jester Um, anyway that's my connection with the band. So it was about 85, I think that was, maybe yeah, 85 because that's when Misplaced Child came out. But the band themselves formed in 78, 79, in uh, Aylesbury uh, in, uh, in Buckinghamshire, done not far from uh, actually from, um, from where I grew up. Uh, and they played in, in the uh, a lot of bands played there. Uh, Bowie, um, T. Rex, Le- uh, Thin Lizzy. Anyway, they were formed there uh, by by Mick Pointer, the first drummer of the band, who was a big uh, prog head and he loved he loved Rush, so he's a big Neil Peart fan. Um, they've ha- they had Doug Irvine on bass, Neil uh, Cockle on keys and guitar. And they were mainly, um, oh sorry, Keys and Martin Jenner on guitar, and they were mainly an instrumental band, um, playing sort of long pieces of um, Genesis and Yes style um, music. Uh, they did this for a little while, and then to realise that they would sort of um, needed to go a little bit further, needed to to, to change and and some members of the band left and they put uh, mick put um uh an advert in the paper and a keyboard player called brian jellyman joined um and next thing you know they've got still got the band now they were called originally called silmarillion uh, which is named after Tolkien J- Tolkien book. It's one of Tolkien's. I fact it was his favorite book that he wrote. Sort of like the, sort of like the prequel to all the Lord of the Ring books. I think that's sort of what it is. I tried reading it as a youth, and I couldn't really get into it. It was a bit too many, too much hagiography. Um, you know, too many uh, uh, kings and queens and stories to hold on to. Anyway, um, they basically put an advert in the paper for new musicians and d- down from scott it, a, a little known good uh, singer from scotland had come down to li- live in cambridge with his girlfriend and was in a band called the stone dome band now the stone dome band weren't going for anywhere this leads this singer whose name was fish um he got that name because he liked to lie in the bath a lot his name was Derek william dick um, you can see why he changed his name can't you really um, Richard Dick It's not a great name for a singer well probably is but you know anyway uh, before they joined Stephen Rovery they were looking for a guitarist and the, and Stephen Rovery uh, the, the now guitarist with the band the, uh, the only guitarist really with the band um, who's from um, Whitby in Yorkshire in fact my friends are there that we speak in Whitby very nice part of the world um, he saw the advert thought well what we're going to do I'm going to you know stay up here and and become a bank or whatever it was he was going to be or travel down to Aylesbury and try and you know uh, live the rock and roll lifestyle and they he traveled down to Aylesbury they accepted him in he joined the band um and so then you've got um the, the core of the band playing it's a five piece all right and the um they wrote many pieces of music while the while they were still William without without fish. Um, um, things songs called the Hearn the Hunter, um, the the haunting of Gill House, um, and so on. And they became they became the first songs off the new album. Uh, they became a Garden Party, the Genesis of Garden Party, Grendel, and He knows you know. Um, uh, they first played their very first gig at a at a, a Berkhamstead Civic Hall um, and that was where um, a now an, a then unknown young man by the name of Stephen Wilson first saw them um, this was before Fish joined the band so he saw them in a really early early phase now Stephen Wilson I've talked before I've reviewed a couple of his albums on the show it was Porcupine Tree he's a musical musical genius He's actually, strangely, in a synergy, has re, uh, remastered and rejigged uh, quite a few of the latest Marillion albums. He's doing some fish albums. Um, he's really, he's, you know, he knows his stuff. It was at this gig that they decided to take the, to shorten the name. Um, of course, they couldn't be called Ill Merillion; wouldn't work. So they just became Marillion. And In 1980, Doug left. So the um, Doug left because uh, he thought he'd, by the time he was 25 if he hadn't made it he was never going to make it so he was 25 in 1980 and he left well how wrong was he um, really then again hindsight is 2020 right um, good for us because um, once Doug left that's when they needed to put an advert in the paper for another bass player uh, and at, at that time they weren't looking for a singer but the bass player Diz Minute or William Minute who was also playing in the Stone Dome Band with Fish, um, saw the advert and thought, well, I want to go down and try out. But then it was sort of joined to the hip. So Fish said, look, I want to, if you go, I go. And he sent them a tape. um, He asked for tapes to be sent up from the band to him. They sent them to him. He put lyrics to it. They put it, he sent them back. Um, They loved it so much, he said, come down. and so they both came, they both travelled down to packed everything into their blue transit van, uh, which they, which later was be called, they, which they called uh, Marguerite. And Marguerite became a, a, a song that they wrote, was a live favourite. Um, anyway, they went down and next thing you know, they're practising and rehearsing um, in the local studios. Sorry, I'm turning paper over here. See, look at that. Russell, Russell, Russell. Sip, sip, sip. Now, Fish is an extremely interesting character. If you've never seen a picture of him or don't know who he is, Google him and have a look. He's a six foot five um, Scotsman from Ad Haddington, which is in the centre of the Scottish nation. Um, He's heavily influenced by Mark Hamill. From Camel, uh, from Camel, from Van de Graaff Generator. The band themselves were massively influenced by Camel. That's why they had no singer because Camel are um, instrumental band. And if you want instrumental progness at its greatest, you need to listen to Camel. Anyway, uh, so one-time forester, Fish, um, and part-time student in the Stone Dome Band, in the late 70s when punk is exploding and no one wanted a prog music no one wanted uh, anything other than a two minute song with any direction um, they fought against the tide um, but as it came down and they now had their nucleus of the band and they went in to record they went to rehearsal studios for 10 weeks at Leyland Farm Studios now I've got recordings of that and you can get them on spot on Spotify now. I have like dodgy cassettes um, that are like twentieth generation dubbed um, uh, from a vinyl um, pressing from a from an acetate that was recorded at the I mean I've just got these you know really crackly demo uh, demos but um, they're all being cleaned up now for for Spotify and stuff but I've got the originals and they're really cool. Um, they went into the into their um, on the fourteenth of March, nineteen eighty one. Um, a lot of synergy around me because in birthdays because the album was released on the thirteenth of March. I'm, my birthday is the eighteenth of March. They started recording uh, uh, and try, you know uh, and um, rehearsing on the, I said the fourteenth of March, uh, and the very first gig was on the fourteenth of March. Sorry, not recording the, the very, very first gig with Fish was on the fourteenth of March at uh, the Bicester Red, Li- Red Lion. Uh, in front of 65 people lucky bastards I actually met someone who was at that gig gosh man this would be 40 years ago I was um, my first job ever leaving left school was an usher a, the movie so tearing tickets and pointing people to the right seats and telling people to shut up and moving seats along and so on and one of my I was wearing a Marillion shirt no he came in wearing a Merillion shirt and I said to him Nice one, mate. And he goes, Yeah, I was at their very first gig. Now, whether it was true or not, who bloody knows? But Hendon isn't that far from Ellsbury, so you never know, right? Um, and anyway, um, that so so they so they're touring that. Okay, they're, they're rehearsing that, um, and they're they they're getting themselves. Um, Ready to, to, to go on tour and do more shows and and record an album. Um, sadly, they had to fire Jellyman, the original ba- the um, because he oh no I'm, I'm saying we had to fire him. He left. And i to about. See, this is what happens when you read your notes backwards. Excuse me one second. No, next one was Mark Kelly coming in. Jellyman was the keyboard player, of course he was. He left. So Jellyman was fired um, because he was a bit directionless and didn't have as much talent, which is probably a horrible thing to say, and Fish had to do it because he, he wasn't the best. At, oh, everyone t- he's big, you're big and tall and, and, and overpowering. Who do you point your fingers at? You point them at someone like Fish to say, hey, go and fire that man over there. They're not going to argue with you. Um, they were supporting a band called Alice, um, and they had a keyboard player, an Irish keyboard player called Mark Kelly. Who was who was throwing shapes all over the stage and his keyboards all over the place, doing a very much a, his best to be um, Keith Emerson from Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Um, and uh, they saw this guy and they chatted amongst the band and they said, "Look, we want Mark Kelly in the band." And it sort of fate goes to fate that that Mark said yes. They fired Brian, in came Mark. All right, uh, and then now. Uh, right then, almost the full um, line up for the band. But soon after that gig, they realised that the um, the bass player, Diz, Diz Minute Now, I it was quite sad because Diz was a very close friend of Fish, and Fish says to this day apocryphally that he wouldn't have wanted to fire him. He thought was a good bass player, but they decided. That it wasn't good enough if the band was going to go forward because at this time they were playing in the marquee in London. They were, you know, out nights night after night. They're getting a very big um, following. They had a fanzine that started called the Web, which was, it's an historic fanzine because of the length of time it's been going um, since 1982. And they just needed to they needed to move forward, and they found a local bass player. Who was probably the most of the musicians in the band? He was actually the most most experienced musician of the band. That's uh, Pete Travaris He had been in a band called Orphis, which is a prog band, but mainly he'd been in and recorded with and toured with a local Ellsbury uh, new wave band called The Meteors. Um, And he's an extremely gifted bass player. and so there you go. Right then and there, you had the lineup for the first album. You had uh, Mick Pointer on drums, Pete Tawaris on bass, Mark Kelly on keys, Fish on vocals, and Stephen Robley on guitar. Um, and at that time, it was the definitive lineup. Um, obviously, the bas- uh, much happened after the first album, uh, and just before the first tour as well. We'll get into that in a moment. Um, they did record. They got into the studio and recorded, um, uh, charting the single "Grendel Marguerite," uh, and those songs c- uh, came to be classics later on in the in, in the uh, in the band's touring. Fish used to um, was had very bad stage fright, and so he used to paint his face um, with all sorts of colors. I think almost to hide sometimes to emote, to, to create that jester feel like he has in his characters in the songs. And a lot of the time it was just to, to hide his, um, his, his his shyness. Um, and he, being a typical boy of that certain generation, he had no idea. He originally used nail polish on his face. Can you believe, it? like, proper nail polish? He couldn't get it off, it burnt his skin. And then he found a store in Aylesbury that sold theatrical makeup and started lo- using Leishner and Leichner stage makeup and away you go. They managed to go and get from a Hammer Horror, um, they were selling off all their sets and costumes and they got like crosses and wreaths and tombstones. They got some fabric sackcloth clothing that had a big eye on it. And if you stood in front of the main lights, it would go completely invisible, like completely see through. (laughs) <laughs> and they didn't realize till the flight like, third or fourth gig that if they stood in front of the stage lights um, the audience were getting a good eye for because most of them were wearing underpants well fish wasn't anyway there you go so this gone the lineup is get ready to go so Um. This went off to pl- um, and also another thing, another thing another little connection with uh peter is that he played with robin bolt on uh, learned to play guitar with robin bolt robin bolt um was fish's solo guitarist for most of his albums until robin retired um and uh it could sort of it's a nice little connection isn't it i think when it comes to these little avenues um and here we go. So we then go on our tour, and we now release the album. And here's the fun part: the album review So that's Merillion, right? Merillion's had several phases. That was my butchered and um, basic rundown of the early Merillion. Of course, basically is how I remember it. You had the Pic- Mick Pointer years on drums, and then you have you have the Ian Mosley year on drums, and then you have the Fish era and then you have the Stephen Hogarth era on vocals. Our side of the band has stayed the same. I sit very, very firmly in the only listen to the Fish era Marillion. First two Hogarth albums, um, Season's End and Holidays in the Sun, Uh, I do like... Holidays in Eden. I do like... um, some of the mid to late albums like uh, Marbles and Afraid of Sunlight Uh, they got a little bit middle of the road a little bit dull the last album is a cracker it's probably the best they've done in 15 years so I'd I'd recommend that one but otherwise outside of that no it's been a bit uh, a little bit bland skis for me so about to go and warm my tea up I've just been a my one second come on then my little darling cat has arrived again, um, and we'll get the other side, and we'll talk about the album itself, um, the singles from the album, the sound of the album, and uh, I'll give a little basic little rundown of how I feel about it, and hopefully, uh, you will get and have a listen to this masterwork of an album. Anyway, see you on the other side, guys. Bye for now. Ready to pop the question? Welcome back, guys, to part two. So, if you can hear, I've got my little purry cat on my lap, so if she interferes and knocks a mic or whatever, we don't care, do we? Hmm? So, the album itself. I did take you through a very basic uh, history of the band. If I've got anything wrong, guys, um, I probably have. I'm using some really good, interesting source material, um, and I make notes, and sometimes I just don't read my own proper handwriting. So, released on the 13th of march 1983 on emi records script for a jester's tear a what we can cons- what's considered a neo-prog revivalist album i think it's a there's a, a big sorry a, i think that's a big big name for something that uh, is basically just a really good rock album that has um progressive leanings it reached number seven in the in the album charts in the UK and uh, spent 31 weeks in the charts and it uh, went platinum uh, produced two uh, top 40 single in he knows you know and a top 20 single in garden party um, uh, it is uh, for me the the bands uh, I think it's it's the people there's a lot of talk about which is the best fish ear ruling album is it is it? Is it? Script for Tear. Is it um, Fugazi? People say, a lot of people will say no to that. Is it Misplaced Childhood? Or is it the, the classic, the solid gold classic, Clutching at Straws? I'm going to say that I live in the part where I think they're all equally as good as each other. It, I look at it in a way of a, a, of a child, a teenager growing up. Okay? So for me, it's like, this is the... Um, Adolescence of the band. Uh, you know, Fugazi is the um, drinking, hard, hard bitten 21, 22 year old. Um, you know, things who knows life, knows everything. Misplaced Childhood is the yearning for the childhood that we just had in the first album. And then Clutching at Straws is the drunken um, hangover album. Uh, and so, a lot of people have said that Fish's lyrics, uh, like Genesis's lyrics, are um, sometimes fill every gap that he can because he's not a guitarist, not an instrumentalist. So, he's lyrics are his most important part. And so, sometimes he does fill the space too much and doesn't let the band breathe. Not so much on this album. Very much evident on uh, Fugazi, on a couple of the tracks this album though itself is um, it does uh, No, uh, just for reference guys I'm listening to the original 83 release I'm not listening to the 97 remix or the 2021 um, Avril Macintosh reissue and remix Um, even though they're brilliant I'm listening to the original one because it's how I heard it Um, now it's interesting because when you listen to this album, so when they when they fired because they fired Nick Pointer, the, the original drummer, um, just before the tour for this album, um, because he wasn't a good enough drummer. Now he formed the band. I feel very bad about that. You know, I mean Fish again had to do the job, um, but when you listen to the drums on this album, you can see why they did. Fire him actually. I listened to it again with critical ears. You hear my lovely cat purring? I listened again with critical ears. I thought I've always listened to it with fan ears and and never really had a critical listen to it. And um, all the way through this album, the drums just don't hit. Now, is it the recording of the drums? Possibly. Is it because Chris Kimsey recorded. This uh oh no Nick Tauber. Hang on, sorry. Nick Tauber was Fugazi. Let me just Oh see you look you come for this that yeah this is what you come for. Uh where are we? Production. Nick Tauber, yes, sorry. Yes, Nick Tauber. Um and it's a bit thin, a bit it's almost like he doesn't quite get to the drum in the time for the beat. Um, particularly on things like I noticed when I was listening again today, um, on the drums on "He Knows You Know" and on uh, "Forgotten Sons," he sort of doesn't quite get there. He sort of gets to the roll, he rolls, he does his drum roll, and then it's a, it's almost like he's not hitting it hard enough. Um, and when they replaced him with Ian Mosley, Ian Mosley who played with Curved Air and Camel. I mean, he he had a big sound, a big kit. He hit hard, and I think that's what they needed. Anyway, so the um, cover itself uh, of the album was painted by um, by by classic. I mean, he's now uh, this particular artist has put his mark to uh, um, to everything from Iron Maiden to Judas, Judas Priest. This is Mark Kelly, not Mark Kelly, Mark Wilkinson, um, and his first piece of work was with um Meridian on their script Producers tear album it's it's a beautiful double album you have to get the double album to open up and look at the artwork so the jester in his bed set, lots of connections to the songs um there's a piece of paper on the floor uh where it's music like where the jester is violin music and emi had to get that checked um and it was actually a beatles i think it's a beatles song and they had to get Permission for Paul McCartney to have it on the front of the album written down, and he said yes. Um, interesting. I mean, it's, I would, you know, in the days of litigation, I suppose you have to do that sort of stuff, don't you? Um, and so, it didn't do very well in America. It reached 175 in the charts. Well, the Americans were never going to get it. They were never going to get it. Sorry, guys. You probably do now, and I know the fish does well in America, but back then, no. Um, and it was released in america through Capitol records i've got a copy of it on Capitol records and i've got it on the mi um it's a really really uh, beautiful piece of uh, artwork on there um it released the single so the two singles he knows you know came off actually the first single came off the album was not actually on the album the first single that came off the album was marcus queer heroes now marcus queer heroes is a brilliant double a-sided single um, with um, with Three Boats Down from the Candy and B-sided with uh, um, Grendel. Um, very rarely these days do you get... I mean, it doesn't happen anymore where singles don't get released on the album. It was good then because it, it was something different. It, this is the hard... When I first heard "Marcus Square Heroes, I thought it was the hardest song, one of the hardest songs I've ever heard, and I'd been listening to Iron Maiden. This heavy, heavy, heavy... Um, it's a song about um, it's basically a it's it's basically about uh, I mean you can remember this is Thatcher's Britain that Fish is growing up in right that they're they're becoming informative in and it's right, there's strikes and there's uh, the IRA and there's um, you know terrorism before the Americans told us what terrorism was you know um, there I mean you know we've been living with terrorism since I was before I was born you know 9-11 wasn't the first time this happened sadly it wasn't um, but we'd live with it forever and you know um, the fish op- says that when he wrote Forgotten Sons because um, there was a bombing and I remember it vividly when Sefton was a horse there was a they, the IRA blew up some um, horses uh, at, at a parade in Hyde Park and killed all these horses but there were more interest. The newspapers were more interested about the horses and the men that died. Um, Sefton was one of them. Sefton went down in Hyde Park. I remember that that vividly. And so, Fish often cites that forgotten sons. We're going too far forward, anyway. Songs as we go. So, Market Square Heroes, "Three Boats Down from the Candy," which is a, a song about. Um, it has one of the best opening, um, uh, bass lines. I just love it. Um, it's about. Um, it's very fish. It's very wordy, isn't it? So the candy is the is the seaside front where we sell the lollies and the floss, the candy floss, and the rock and all the sweets. Uh, and the three boats were the three boats on the bits beach, beaches, boats on the beach, and those boats were up turned upside down most of the time, and that's where teenagers would get under with their, each other and have sex and do what teenagers do. Um, and so that's why it's three boats down from the candy so it's like um like a a a a loss of virginity um song again all these songs on on this album are the river lost love lost virginity um, uh, uh, and then it suddenly takes a sharp turn into forgotten sons where it becomes very political Um, but musically this album and is beautifully mixed. It's really big space. There's a lot of space in the instrument instrumentation of this album. Um, you put it on, and you can almost feel the room around each member of the band playing. They're not, it doesn't feel like they're in a tight, cavernous recording studio. It sounds like you've got them, you know, Pete's bass is wrapping around you. Um, even though mixed drums are now thinking about it not that not as good as they could be they're still doing a a great job they're still bringing the beat along a bit thin um, in the mix but even the later mixes couldn't fix that Um, then you've got Stephen Robbery now Stephen we haven't even scratched on Stephen Robbery Stephen Robbery is definitely not possibly definitely England's one of England's greatest guitarists Dave Gilmore said he was his favorite guitarist uh, and that says a lot now he didn't play a million notes okay he's very much in the same vein as um stephen hackett where um they play um he he it's minimal notes it's not what he doesn't it's not what he plays Is what he doesn't play he's all about atmosphere creating noise and atmosphere on his guitar um and some of the stuff he does is 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 beautiful um so th- the B-side of Marcus Square Heroes is Grendel and Grendel is glorious in every way possible. Yes, some of it does sound like something from Genesis's um, uh, cinema show or Supper's Ready. Yes, it's 17 minutes long and yes, on the B-side when you got the 12-inch, because it was only on the 12-inch, you had to play it at 33 and the third instead of 45. Um, but it was 17 minutes of wonderful nerdy, glorious um, absurdity all based around but Beowulf, the, um, the oldest um, surviving text of the Saxons or the, it's the uh, epic poem. Um, and Grendel is one of the sort of the demons, not the creatures in that that terrifies, terrifies the villages. Um, and it's a song based on around Grendel. So from the point of Grendel, not from the point of the Vikings or the Saxons or the villagers, okay? And it goes through so many different time changes. You can tell it's different pieces of music put together. Um, it's it really, really is brilliant. I, I think it's it is up there with their best ever work. Um, I know that people will roll their eyes and go, 17 minutes, but you don't roll your eyes when you listen to 12 minutes of Iron I'm, of I'm Maiden, do you? Or even 17 minutes now of Iron Maiden with um, uh, Empire of the Clouds. No, you don't, do you? None of you do. You go, this is brilliant. So you need to sort of turn gear and listen to this piece of music. Yes, it's clunky in some areas. Yes, Steve often plays too much in E, in this particular... E uh, solos in this particular... Um, you know piece of music yes uh, it sometimes loses direction stops and starts again but it's 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 because it's it's just glorious storytelling that's why you read classic novels right anyway that's the single that's the first single off of it which I have picture disc 12 inch single import yeah I've got, I've got a few of them um, then came your he knows you know which is a drug the drug song okay i'm not going to go into yet we're going to go track by track so let's start off with the opening track on side a which is script for a jester's tear right the eponymous title album all right it's eight minutes and 40 seconds long um it's it's a love song it's a a lost love song it's about um uh, a boy who's lost the love of his life. Clearly, the love is over. I don't know if it's love has gone both sides. Although the lyric does, you know, I still say I love you. I mean, it's still clearly. I think it's she leaving him. Um, now, a lot of criticisms of of I've heard about this album, and Fish in general, is that his his lyric is quite schoolboy um, rhyming and it's a lot quite misogyny, cause it's all, misogynistic because it's all about men and boys well come on guys take a step back you fucking idiots what do you think it is he's a 21 year old male he's going to write what he knows about it's no good him writing some fake story from the girl's point of view when he has no idea what that means it's like why great comedy great comedy and Python is one of those things great comedy often they the male writers struggle to write for females Um, It's not because they are misogynistic or hate women or don't understand women. Is they don't have a reference point. So it's much harder for them to write. Are they going to fake what they write or write something they know about? And this is what he knows about. Everyone is loved and everyone is lost. And this is a good example of him lost love. You know, great lyrics. You know, I'm losing on the roundabouts. I'm losing on the swings. I'm losing on the roundabouts. You know, it's that lovely... Um, yeah, fantastic um, sort of imagery of, of the roundabout. You know, life goes round and round. And and of course, losing on the swings and losing on the roundabouts. is also a playground, isn't it? Because that there's the there's the love of the innocence and young love, pure love almost. Because sex is not involved in it. You're in the playground, and you've lost. You're losing your first love, all right. And there's that fantastic. As I said swings. So swings, a good imagery of things. You know, going back and going forth and going back and going high and coming down, highs and lows, and roundabouts. Things keep going around and returning back. And I think that's it's a brilliant um, lyrical uh, a ploy on his part with this song. Um, it is a great opening song. It has um, a, he, fish is. At this, at this time he could sing that register he can't do it anymore Very uh, falsetto And soulful And high And uh, and yearning and it's, a, and it's just a great live song I've seen him play it live many times And it is one of those songs I go back to um, Quite a lot And when I've lost girlfriend, girlfriend Lost girlfriend what? Left them somewhere Couldn't find them, no, when they've left me um, In the past Often that was one of the songs that I would go back to. Or Kaylee sounds really wanky, I suppose, but it is one that I would go back to. Um, and so, it's again, it's a it's a great solo. Steve's solo in it is just beautiful. Pete's bass. I was always, uh, at first of all, I was quite nonplussed about Pete's bass lines. I used to think nothing of them until I heard them, um, uh, and they'd been. Um, They'd been, you know, uh, put like the ten or the other. All you could hear was the bass line, so they'd been soloed, um, and I could hear them just him playing. And he's a he's he's a great bass player. Um, he alternates between picking and fingering the bass, um, and that's how he gets that sort of kind of do 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 a really nice sort of um, chromatic scale bass line and it's just it's really suits the piece of music really well and even even mixed drums you know they're splashy they're light they don't overtake the track and mark kelly's keys i mean mark kelly i mean sometimes you think is he oh, did he play on this track and then, then you realize yes he did he was there and without him you it would, it would be quite thin he's got you know he uses a mixture of Roland's. Uh, Moogs, he had a Hammond I think he used a, 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 um, a Leslie cabinet um, quite a few different things um, did, did Mark, I think he was emulating his hero, his hero in Emerson Keith Emerson and of course lyrically you know, it's uh, some of the lyrics have been said that there have been people that have said that, he sound, that some of the uh, lyrical pieces are stolen from Mark Hamill's work with van de generator um don't know if i sort of agree with that but you know then we move into he knows you know so he knows you know is uh the second single off the album sorry the first single yeah second single off the album and it's um it's the uh, it's the drug song i wrote a uh a school thing for my s for my o levels around this song um Uh, For my one of my English O level degrees, and uh, it's basically about, as I said before at the beginning, this this thing. You know, it's it's the it's there's different messages, and you know, script for justice tear is loved lost um, from a youth young a young age, and then he knows you know is um, is the is the drug, sorry, sorry my fucking computer. Sorry, excuse me here, guys. Tappity, tappity, tappity. There we go. Here's the drug... Is um, the drug story. Um, it talks about, um, you know, China bo- praying to the China Bowl, like, you know, so he's, he's been sick into the toilet. It's about um, putting a ne- needles in his veins. Um, it's... Oh, you got caught, my darling. You okay? Um, there she goes. So it's... The lyric for that song is one of the most heart-hitting that I remember from a young age. An intravenous drug abuse um, is not something that a a 13-year-old really should be thinking about, but it was there, you know. Um, It's B-side was charting the single, which is... um, It's a, I don't even know how to describe that song. It's, I think, just about them being in a band and, and touring and being famous again, you know, and and what you do to make records. Um, it's got a great drum intro into it, actually, and um, to be honest, it's really good when, um, when Ian Mosley plays the drums on that. Fish often introduces the He Knows You Know as the drug song. Um, it was inspired by... Uh, um, Fisher's use of drugs while he was on benefits um waiting for the band to be famous um he's famously was an alcoholic for many years and he I mean not that he didn't take hard drugs but he obviously took drugs um it was recorded at the marquee studios like the like, like the album was which I forgot to mention sorry um and it, I mean, it's three minutes and thirty seconds on the single and five minutes and five seconds on the twelve inch All right. um the front cover is a picture of um, the jester pulling its mask away to reveal its face, and that's Mark Wilkinson's face that he copied underneath for that particular um, for that particular single. Um, I've got the picture of this version of it, which is pretty cool. Um, they did um, it got they got on to top of the pops with this song, which you know was no mean feat because top of the pops. Although it was probably they they probably got on as the novelty act. You know, as often did with top of the pops, Um, yeah. Anyway, anyway, so the track listing on the seven inch, "He Knows You Know" on the A side, um, B side, charting the single. On the twelve inch, you had "He Knows You Know" and then the edit version of "He Knows You Know," and then charting the single. So that's the drug song. So we've had our, we've had our loss of love, then we have our drug song, and then we have to look at then we get come into the web. Now the web. Baffles me sometimes. Okay, um, it's got it's got all sorts of textures in the web. Um, it really is. It's it. Sorry, not the mic. It uh, it's eight minutes and forty eight eight minutes and forty eight seconds long. There's um, there's uh, you know ancillary noises. So you've got like. People talking in the background. You've got um, one second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up the lyric and I'm gonna t- talk you through it. So it opens with this really sort of stark, dun 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 dun. Sort of, I'm not doing it well, but it has this sort of brilliant, sort of uh, attacking opening. Um, and the lyric starts with the rain, that dishes at my window, is symphony echoes in my womb. My gaze scans the walls of this apartment to rectify the confines of my tomb. Um, I'm the cyclops in the tenement, I'm the soul without the cause, crying midst my rubber plants, ignoring beckoning doors. So again, it's that um, it's that bed sitterland. So I've heard Fish describe it as bed land music. Um, you know, where girls art college girls would have rubber plants, which they would water regularly and look after, and feed. And and often you had to live in your your, your one room apartment. Bed sitters in the UK are like a bed, a sink, a kitchenette, all in one room. And I the, the web is basically about that. It's about the the feeling of being trapped um, within that confined um, and. You know, you've got clipping like lyrics, clippings from ancient newspapers like scattered across the floor, stained by the wine from the shattered glass, meaningless words yellowed by time, faded photos, exposing pain, celluloid leeches bleeding my mind. You finish playing Hangman, you cast the die. the fateful dice. Advise, advise, advise me, this shroud will not suffice. I mean it I mean he's a very, very clever man. He's probably one of the greatest lyricists in, in music um I, I truly believe that uh him John Lydon uh Obis Costello Billy Bragg of quite a few of them um but he he's just has this sometimes a bit too intelligent um where you know where you'll say four words instead of one and I'm, I'm guilty of that when I'm writing reviews sometimes I'll I'll write four things i'll make it flowery and it probably shouldn't need to be I, again it's my it's my influence from this big fella all right you know like the lyric the fly trap needs the insects the ivy crests the wall needles make love to the junkies the siren it, the sirens seduce with their call confidence has deserted me with you he has forsaken me confused and rejected despised and alone i kiss isolation on its fevered brow um again this is it so first track you've got your lost love second you track your drug song this one is your bedsitter land song so it's there is a lot of emotion in this um in this album musically i think the web is the most complex of the albums uh, on the album uh, because it's what it comes from way back in the early early Merillion and uh Merillion days and it's it's um it suits the lyric. It's quite dirty, quite dark, quite, um, yeah. It, it, let's just say that it, it it's it's um heavy. Heavy, 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 uh, in a good way. It's heavy in a way that can be quite syrupy, quite thick. Um, Peter is Peter Duvallis's bass is probably uh, the, the the leading light in this. Um, particular track it really guides everything through you know I said everything before was in a nice the album had a good open sound like every song had space around it I think this one feels like everything's all closed in Um, and it's often cited as one of the weakest songs on the album I don't agree Um, I'll tell you what what I think is the weakest song on the album in a very few minutes now um, we're going to come to uh, this is a longer episode, guys, uh, because it's my year show. So it could I'm going to put another little break in just so I can get my tea warmed up and we'll come back for um, part three uh, when we'll head into the next few songs. Um, but, yes, so the web. So we've gone Lost Love. We've gone Drug Abuse. We've gone Loneliness... and and the sense of being trapped in the web Um, and what happens after this one let's find out shall we I'll see you after the break welcome back guys to this epic longer episode for my birthday episode um, with one of my favorite albums of all time and one of my favorite bands and this one is we move into the next track which is the second single and last single off the album Garden Party Garden Party is uh, a fascinating snapshot of um, the, the period of time if any of you have ever watched The Young Ones you'd understand that there is this in England there is a and still is now a class society okay the haves and the have-nots the rich the poor the middle class um, and the working class now I come from that working class background quite poor families I've mentioned before um, and fish is very the same his father owned a um, and ran a petrol station um, and he was going to be a forester, and that would have been good for him. But he decided to follow his musical dreams, and therefore, he was not really moneyed, even though they come into money. Fish wrote the song "Garden Party" about the Cambridge set because he was living in Cambridge with his girlfriend while they were in the Stone Dome band, um, and there is that there is that sense of if you've ever seen the Simpsons, sorry, Simpsons uh, the Young Ones episode where they go the University Challenge. Where and it's a it used to be it used to be a quiz show in the UK for posh school kids. Um, it was like a for it was usually college against college, a so university challenge. And in the young ones, they 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 like the scumbag college against the posh ones. And anyway, that's basically what Fish is pointing his fingers at in Garden Party. You know, um, cucumber sandwiches that the crusts on. Um, you know, vicars. Um, um, all that sort of gear. They called it... It was sort of sub, subtitled as the, the Great Cucumber Massacre. Um, I have it with a poster, the, the picture disc, the single... This, And I've got quite a few of these things, actually. In fact, I'm a collector, so I've got a lot of the stuff. Um, and it was... <sighs> It's a inter- it's all based around snobbery as is the right word. Snobbery is the right word, I think, for this particular. Um, it was actually written. Diz Minute and Brian Jellyman have got their names on the on the sort of list because they did help write the music and I think some of the lyric for it. Um, it's quite controversial um, because there's a lyric in it that says, "I'm punting on the grass, I'm beagling, I'm whining, reclining, I'm ru- I'm fucking." Right now, um, they did change that to rucking, um, as in the sort of rugby lyric. But we know it's fucking um, because a seven-inch single, like with Mar- um I forgot to mention it, the Marcus Square Hero single, the lyric that says "I am your Antichrist," um, they made it change it for the single to "I am your Battle Priest" um, for radio air, air, air play. Ridiculous because. You know, John Lydon had been singing anarchist, antichrist. No one did said anything. But EMI is EMI, I suppose. Um, now, let me get you the lyric here, okay? Again, this is really clever because it opens with the sound of sprinklers and bird play and it, it sounds like you're in the lawns and you're it's summertime and you're punting on the cam, all right? Which is one of the lyrics, all right? Um, let me just get the lyric up. I love this little tool I've got with the lyrics. I mean, I could just get the record out, but uh, no, I don't do that. Okay, there we go. I just use Spotify with, and it's Garden Pie held today invites call the Debs for, to play. So Debs are debutantes, okay? Uh, social climbers polish ladders. Wayward sons again have fathers. Hello, Dad. Hello, Dad. Edgy eggs and queuing cumbers. I mean, silly, playful word, word play, but it's very much, this is Marillion's I think one of the only time they ever really point fingers at Genesis and this is their version of Genesis um, the Battle of Epping Forest from uh, selling them by the pound which is another great connection because I've got a bootleg of selling fish by the pound Um, uh, time has come again for slaughter on the lawns by steel cam waters that's the cam the river cam near Cambridge a slaughter it's a slaughter champagne corks are firing at the sun swooping swallows chased by violins again strafed by strauss they sulk in crumbling eaves again oh god not again so it's basically about um you know i mean if you read that lyric there uh, swooping swallows chased by violins strafed by strauss so obviously classical music and sulking crumbling eaves so they go and hide in their classrooms and learn their latin and the declension um Couples Loiter in the Cloisters, Social Leeches quoting Chaucer. Look, you know, so it is a little bit playable, a little um by the book lyric. Okay, fish is learning, he's growing here. Remember this doesn't get this isn't the complicated lyric that's on his solo stuff or even on the clutching the store albums. This is the early fish learning his his way, right? Um Doctor's son, a parson's daughter, Why, why not? It should be water. Please don't lie upon the grass unless accompanied by a fellow. Um, Maybe I, may I be so bored as to perhaps suggest Othello. So you couldn't lie in the grass in Cambridge unless a fellow member of the, you know, um, was with you. And can I suggest Othello? It's just being, you know, again, it's all this, um, you know, one of my favourite lyrics in it is... um, Angie chalks another blue, mother smiles, she did it too. Chitters, chat, and gossips lash. Poses, pose, and pressmas flash. And then you hear this flash, and she flash, and flash. It's, it's, it's really a crowded lyric, okay? It's a really crowded lyric, but it's fun. And, you know, actually, a little bit of a side note, the video doesn't have Mick Pointer on it. It has um, the extra ex-drummer from, um, from Camel, um one second. Andy Ward. they got him in once they fired um, um, Mick on the tour while they were touring the album. Um, and because you know he's camel right it's prog royalty um, but he was such older and he had drug issues and so he didn't last but he's on the video for uh, Mick Pointer's not in that video sadly anyway so there's you f- that, that's that's garden pie. Oh, I keep knocking the knocked the thing again sorry guys bang crash wallop um, that's garden pie I think garden pie I said is there it's there um, their answer to I said bow forest not as wordy as battle not as long as battle but um, certainly that absurdity of English uh, middle class university snobs and um, what outside, out, how the outside people in the outside of the society see that, you know, garden parties and so on. Um, it's not all that. It's not all, is it? I mean, it can't all be that. But that's what, what they, how they saw it. And again, at that time, Fish was living in that community, and obviously he was an outsider, and he saw it that way. Um, but it's the most fun, I think, on the single. If you're gonna have fun, if you're gonna have fun on this album, that's the way to do it. The next one comes in. This is the weakest song on the album for me. This is Chelsea Monday. Um, it's it. Okay, how do I? This? Chelsea Monday is again. It's a. a it's sort of like um, Lost Love again. It's about a girl that disappears, um, and from from your, this man, this guy, probably fishes life. Um, it's got some interesting loop sound effects, this one does sound really open, when I listen to this song, I, I hear I almost can picture the River Thames and London and of a sprawling city and a girl disappearing and not wanting to be found anymore um, and there's a great sort of spoken word bit in the middle eight with Peter virus uh, and you know um, did you see Estelle last night, you know uh, and all that sort of stuff like basically where is she sort of thing Um, and the lyric is okay the lyric for me is tortured Uh, and I shouldn't I hate saying that because you know it's it's like one of the defining albums of my life but I find this here we go look catalogue princess apprentice adulteress hiding in her cellophane world in glitter town awaiting the prince in his white capri dynamic young tarzan courts the bed queen she's playing the actress in this bedroom scene she's learning her lines from glossy magazines stringing all the pearls from her childhood dreams auditioning for the leading role on the silver screen so it's also i mean it's also about you know coming into a big city try and find fame and fortune be an actress but then disappearing um one day oh, they'll really love you. You'll charm them with that smile. But for now, it's just another Chelsea Monday. Um, again, it's that bed set link, isn't it? She's probably living in Chelsea. He's probably connected with Fish. Probably knew her living in Chelsea when he was in London. Because they lived in London ostensibly once they recorded. Um, Miss uh Sorry. here. They moved up to London to record the Marquee and to talk as London was the centre of was the centre of it. And, and in fact, they were the first bands ever to headline the the famous um, uh, Hams of on the recital for the script tour. I think they did it 12 nights in a row, which is massive. I'm mean, Absolutely massive. Um, and they did that off the back of no radio, <laughs> radio play or, or single-friendly music. Um, drifting with her license in the Labyrinth of London, playing games with faces in the neon wonderland, performed to scattered shadows on the shattered cobbled aisles. Would she dare recite soliloquies at the risk of stark applause? This is what I'm saying, it Oh fish, I love you to bits, man, I really do. But this is a tortured lyric and you know, fished a young chick out of the old father. See, okay, right, Old Father Thames. So now we get to the end of the lyric. She is clearly found, she's dead. So she's either committed suicide because she couldn't cope with, with all the looks on the faces. Saying we knew you couldn't make it, or she was murdered, or she was she ended up in pornography, um, as a lot of young girls do, um, you know. Um, it is quite. It is. It is a really sad song. It is really deep. It's very, very um, textured. Um, Steve's guitar work in this is brilliant. You take the lyric away, I think and have it as a piece of instrumental music and you'd go wow it's one of the best you you know one of the best pieces of music you would hear in a very long time um, but fish does he just tortures it a bit um, just another Chelsea Monday I mean it, it it does say oh let's go and open a vein I have to say um, this song but you know it sits in the album it's perfect for the album because it is what it is. You know, it, 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 it sits amongst the the lyrical theme for this album. And Fish is... I mean, this. It, let's be brutally frank, listeners uh, and friends. Um, it's easy. It's like shooting Fish in a barrel, um, writing songs about lost love and, acqu- you know, acquired love and sadness and woe is me. It, it's been billions of hours of music through the history of music. Modern music has been played in that ballpark, right? Um, it's easier to write a song about depression and sadness than it is to write a song about happiness because people don't want to hear songs about happiness all the time, do they? They want they want to feel sometimes that this is that life isn't all about that. It's not all um, you know, sunshine and roses and I think that they that, that 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 lyrically and a lot of prog is also that way. A lot of prog was always based around that. Um, sort of sadness uh, and, and, and confusion of life so that's Chelsea Monday great lyrics you know great little bits of interplay some loop tape loop stuff going on this, it, it feels dreary it feels like the web which is also dreary it feels like there's rain feels like it's London it's overcast it's a bright spark a beautiful soul of a human being has come to do something different and new and has lost the life doing it. It could be also autobiographical, because Fish felt very lost in London, and didn't feel that they were going in the direction they should be going, even though they were selling lots of records and becoming famous, it wasn't quite where he thought it was happening. Um, uh, you know, and he famously had a wandering eye, young man, young good-looking man in a rock band with money, um, you know and a sort of sexy Scottish accent and, you know the London girls and the, they loved him um, anyway that's Chelsea Monday would I take it from the album in hindsight no because it's really really important do I like it not really and have I in the past skipped it yeah I don't anymore because I appreciate the album as a whole but yeah I used to skip it and it is, it's that, it is a little bit tortured in his lyric the story is brilliant and it, you know, I said, sort of autobiographical, but it, it, it is a little bit tortured. Steve's guitar, Pete's bass is wonderful. Again, Pete Mick gets lost in the drum on this, I have to say. Um, there's some, there's there's a gate on the drums, so they've put it, so it's sort of, the, the drum is reverberating rever, rever, back, so there's a gate. So it, it it's clever. And it's very floyd in some respects. But it's not... He, you can see why they moved him on. Um, you can. It, it, it just doesn't... He doesn't um, uh, hold enough strength. And we're moving into the next track, um, which is, you know, my favourite track on this album. The song that really cemented for me my love of the band and the reason why I think they're one of the heaviest rock bands um, on the planet not metal, no, heavy rock bands and a lot of people say that they don't think that Marillion are actually a progressive band which I think they sort of are right in the respect that they unlike some of the neo prog bands that came up, out you know, like, uh, I, like um, um, Pentagram and bands like that um, that were much more flowery and and British you know what I mean you know I've said that what progressive I said to you before it's more, it's more softer pastoral storylines um, this Meridian is more Floydy in effect that they are more political and more edgy yet they're softer than Floyd but they are heavier than Floyd so uh, often Meridian gets put into on heavy metal compilations and hard rock compilations and i i'm absolutely agree with you it um they do a push my heavy rock button but they also push my prog button forgotten sons is a masterwork i really wish this had been released as a single i think because it's 8 minutes long um it it, it couldn't be um it he Fish often introduces this as the war is the IRA song. Okay, um, about how you know we send over men to fight and to protect in Ireland. Uh, why you know um, secular violence and so on. Um, it has one of the most hard-hitting middle eights of any song you'll ever hear. Okay, it's, it uses the Lord's Prayer a lot in this song. Um, okay. I think this lyrically is fish's peak now people say no stuff off clutching at straws like wet warm wet circles and stuff um, misplaced childhood no I don't think I think this is it the lyric starts with armor light street lights night sights searching the roofs for a sniper a viper a fighter deaf in the shadows he'll maim you he'll wound you he'll kill you for long forgotten cause I mean that straight away is like Oh, it's like, a, it's like a bullet to the chest, like a smack in the face, and it's heavy, guys, it's heavy, you know, like, it's Stephen Robbery's guitar is layered, and it's, oh, it takes, it wants to rip your face off, it's heavy, that heavy, right, um, Boys baptized in wars, but boys, but you know, morphing, chill scream, bad dream, serving as numbers on dog tags, glad rags, sandbags. Your girl was married, your best friend, love's end, poison pen. Your flesh will always creep, tossing, turning, sleep. The wounds that burn so deep, burn so deep. You know, ah, oh. so you've, you've gone to war, you've gone somewhere where you shouldn't be, you're fighting a ceaseless, meaningless conflict and your girlfriend's left you and married your best friend ah you know your mother's now this is the brilliant no, this is my favorite bit so it starts to come down to a sort of a, a hushed tone and it's a staccato guitar drum is hitting in the background and I think this is mick Point's best drumming the bass is driving the keyboard is whittling behind you all over the place right one second yeah so It goes quite quiet, okay, and then you get this, sorry about the pause there, I had to stop it for a second because little Phoebe's jumped in the room and I didn't know where I was going. Okay, where we go, here we go. Your mother sits on the edge of the world when the cameras start to roll. Panoramic viewpoints resurrect the killing foal. Your father drains another beer, he's one of the few that cares, calling behind a Saracen's hall from the safety of his living room chair. It's just wonderful. It's just, it's just about mum being terrified that his son's gone to war. Um, there is a when he's doing the, it does minister, minister, care for your children. He does it does the, um, the the Lord's prayer? You've also got this here uh, a line again. Why? So you cut the single for saying Antichrist, but here it goes: verbal masturbation in the guarded bureaucratic wombs. Minister, minister, care for your children. Order them into damnation to eliminate those who would trespass against you. For those who, for those is the kingdom, the power, the glory. For ever and ever, Amen. Um, it's just brilliant. I could, I'm not going to go on the whole lyric, but it's just it, it's got a brilliant breakdown, an amazing guitar solo by Steve Stephen Robbery. It's just the probably the most political song I've ever heard by Marillion. I um, it's one of my favourite top political songs of all time. I go back to every time. Fish's live performance of it is amazing. Um, it fishes out this album. Uh, it feels like it shouldn't even be on the album. It feels like a separate track. It feels like a separate, um, a separate piece. It doesn't feel like the storyline matches. It's like love's lost, love labors, you know, um, and then suddenly there's a war piece. Now, Fish did say that he was watch. He was in his bed sit watching i said the bombing in, in high park and it made him think he tried to had to write a song about it um it braved them to put it on the album because it sort of sits differently in the mix but i think it's a brilliant way to finish the album out and for me that's me coming to the end of this episode guys because we're an hour and 13 minutes almost or more than that um, um thank you for listening to me chat on about my favorite album and for the want for supporting me for a year um I hope that you do go and put on Marillion's Script for Justice T. I hope you fall in love with the band and follow them um, do tell me what you think about um, the, the different tracks in the album. What, what your opinions are I said brilliant everything brilliant could I give or take Chelsea Monday probably could um, Forgotten Sons oh, it is so heavy it is, it is it is as heavy as heavy can be without being heavy metal let's just say that alright the lyrical content Fish's vocal uh, performance, Pete's bass on it is amazing. Steve's guitar is forever brilliant. Um, you know, even even Mick. Po- the, well, no, actually not. Mick Pointless drums do feel lost on this. It feels it backwards a bit. Um, that's okay. That happens. You know, and that's you hear if you hear later mixes of it with Ian Mosley playing the drums. You'll hear the difference when they do it later. Touring, if you get to listen to some live albums, um, and there are live versions of it out there, um, it is absolutely solid gold, brilliant. Um, and watch the live if you get a chance to. I did put it on my Facebook page um, the video for it. Watch Fisher's um, very theatrical because he's very theatrical anyway. on stuff what he was, very theatrical, um, and you'll you'll see why this song really what it means, why it means what it does to me. Anyway. That's the end of it for me. That strip registers tier, a solid gold classic. Um, thank you for listening to this longer episode, as it is my birthday. Um, the show is birthday, and uh, we'll come back now. The next next week's episode will be. Uh, are we? Are we in? Are we in September yet? Next week? Um, yes, we are. So in September, September will be Black Sabbath month, guys. So four weeks of black Sabbath worship Um, I will be going through four of my favourite Sabbath albums I won't be going over the history of the band we all know the history of the band it will just be a a real deep dive into each album there will be some surprises there might be no surprises Um, there should be some interesting omissions and I will also do a follow up episode of my honourable mentions uh, here for this one uh, for September month of September anyway Keep yourself safe. Keep listening. Do enjoy Merulin in both eras. You don't don't just, don't just go. Oh, Tony says that the Hogarth eras aren't very good. That if I'm not going there, don't do that. Do give it a go. Um, you might absolutely love it. And I know friends of mine who are big Merulin fans who love both eras. Uh, as I said, um, I'm, I got hooked by a big, tall, six foot five Scotsman. and His theatrics, his voice, and his appeal, and uh, i sort of ever so slightly stuck in that time zone uh and that era uh i will do a fish a separate fish album thing um but next month as i said back to the metal back to sabbath and keep right keep safe guys keep rocking bye for now bye bye